Welcome to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. In this podcast, we tackle difficult issues related to living, loving, and leading in a broken world. Today's episode is about the process of finding a good church. Welcome back to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. Always great to be with my buddy, John Bailey. How you doing, man? I am doing fantastic. We are uh, here in Colorado. It is freezing. I want to just start off today by asking you, Mark. All right. What do you like to do? Like we're, we're like Southern guys. Both yep. of us raised in the South. Yep. What do you like to do like in the winter months? You know, it's funny. I was talking to somebody the other day and I was like, I was born in the South, but I always, there's a piece of me that felt like I was born in the wrong place. Like I belong here. <laughs> I love the weather here. I love the outdoors. I know it sounds crazy. I actually like to hike in the winter. I, I'm going to get back into hunting, you yeah. know, now that we're stateside. And But right now it's just hiking. And so, yeah, getting out and hiking on the trails. Of course, not when it's three feet of snow, but, you know. <laughs> well, I got to help you out with something. As much as it sounds inviting uh, to put a coat on and walk for a couple <laughs> hours in some national park in Colorado below zero, uh one thing that I love to do yep. is uh, snowmobiling. Oh, never now, been on a snowmobile. Really? I, never, not once. We are going to go <laughs> snowmobiling. I would love that. They have this great trip in Breckenridge that takes you to the Continental Divide. And it's a tour, but they, they take you to these places that you can just kind of let loose yeah. and, and fly around. Wow. And it's the most beautiful place in the world. I guarantee you it is better than walking <laughs> <laughs> up some trail on a mountainside when it's below zero. Well, I probably won't disagree with you on that. I've always thought of, and I don't know if it's true or not, it, snowmobiling reminded me of like what jet skiing would be on land. Yeah. Because I love jet skis. Yeah. You know, and so I think I've always thought I would really enjoy snowmobiling. I've just never lived in a place where I could do it. Well, the different, the, the slight differences, and, I, and I've done both, obviously, mm-hmm. being from Florida, but man, the scenery, oh, sure. when you get out on the side of sense. a mountain mm. and it's just beautiful, God's creation, yeah. and then you're kind of lighting up and, you know, zipping <laughs> along, it re- it really is one, of, is, one of, is one of my favorite things to do. I love skiing, love the other things I love to do, but snowmobiling is my favorite thing to do. Never been on a pair of snow skis in my entire life. Really? And no desire to ever be on a set of them. In my well, entire life. At your age is probably not a good place <laughs> exactly. to start. So. <laughs> but we both know who's older. <laughs> I am like two months, right? So But those are the most important two months in the yeah. on the calendar. We can go inner tube. You get on the inner tube. Can Absolutely. you do that? Okay. There uh, yeah. Maybe yeah. We'll do that. All right. We've sorry for uh <laughs> our banter today, but we do not only uh we enjoy each other's company and so uh that's part of what this whole podcast is about because as we talk about important issues, we do it in a conversational style and you know 30 years of history with between the two of us of knowing each other gives us the ability of talking about some important issues, but doing it in a way that's conversational and we don't always agree. No, and we sh- and, and we shouldn't agree, and probably you know, and we try not to script things out yep. to you know to try to make sure that all of our points we really do, and you know what, and we genuinely like Mark, you said we genuinely like each other, yep. but you know the gospel isn't just about theology. We love theology. Mm. I love doing this podcast with you. You have such an incredible wealth of wisdom and knowledge, but at the same time, being being real, yep. 
and being authentic and at the same time having a deep faith, I think is really where Jesus wants us to walk in the world. So I couldn't agree more. And today's topic lines up with that in an incredible mm-hmm. way because this is sort of like a major part of anybody's spiritual development yep. and their growth and this walking with the Lord. Because today we're going to talk about church. This is part two in a church series. Yep. First week we talked about when you know it's right the time to leave a church. Sure. Today we're looking at it from a more positive perspective of what to look for yep. in a church. You and I are both in our first year in a new city. Yep. Uh, you came from being a pastor. So very different for you. You're looking at now sitting in a church, being part of a church. Uh, Amy and I came from a great church, you know, that we were in for a few years. And then now we're here and had to walk through that whole process of what does it look like? So this isn't just a theoretical thing we're talking about today. This is something we've actually had to do. Yeah. And and it really should cover all areas. Like, um, you know, obviously you being a mature believer and, you know, what what things do you look for in a home church? Mm-hmm. Uh, myself coming from a place where I, I mean, I literally counsel with pastors on church administration and leading and sure. those kind of things. Uh, but at the same time, maybe somebody's watching today and they're a pastor and they go, oh, I'm obviously not looking for a church. But I think it, it this would be really beneficial for church uh, leaders to be able to listen to and go, you know what, what things should people be looking for a church? And it would probably be good for you to go back and reflect and go, do I have the church that people really should be looking to join? Yeah. Because those are the churches that are going to grow. Yeah. And, you know, even if we say something today that may, you know, a pastor might go, ouch, or be uncomfortable with, what's really important is we both love pastors. Yeah, one million percent. And it, and I will say this as well. It's the ouch moments that actually cause you to grow. With the people that I get concerned with are the ones that don't have the ouch moments mm. and they feel like they have it all together. And myself included, when you when you come from that perspective, it really doesn't put you in a position to be able to grow and flourish and really help uh, make the church or whatever ministry you're leading a place that's this a place that people will grow and become disciples. Sounds great. All right, so you're brand new to an area. Where do you start? You know, most people, whether you should or not, most people start on a website. I I will say just a couple of things that I think is really important. Number one, I wouldn't just gauge from, like, sometimes there'll be numbers that, you know, just like you can rate a restaurant, you can rate a church. And whether it's a, you know, 3.5 or 4.5 or 4.9, you know, sometimes people gauge the highly rated churches. But I will tell you, there are some, you know, pastors and leaders that get all the main people in the church to go on (laughs) and, you know, everybody do 5.0. So the number looks a little bit higher. And so websites are good to go on and hear the pastor to see if that's, you know, if it's somebody that you feel like you could listen to. Mm. The danger can also be with media that sometimes you can present something as a reality Mm -hmm. that's not actually a reality. Mm -hmm. And some people can be better at presenting that than others. And And I would caution people to put too much stock into what you see online because online, Facebook or whatever, sometimes we're really good at putting forth images that aren't 
necessarily reality. Would you agree with that? Yeah. When we, when Amy and I first moved to the Springs area and we started, you know, we were obviously one of our highest priorities was where are we going to worship? Yep. And so we started looking and, you know, you can only go to so many churches, you know, and so it, there was something, I will be honest and say, there was something that felt a little icky about the process to me yeah. because I don't think our approach to church should be like consumers. Scorecards. <laughs> yeah. And yet, you know, I've never really done that in my life. That wasn't yeah. how we engaged at a church, but we were new to an area where we didn't know anybody. We had nothing. So we kind of had to be consumers. Yeah. And so we would go online. And what I enjoyed was watching services online, not just listening to the preaching. Yeah. Because that gave me the ability to see how people interacted mm-hmm. with each other. So that was a value. You know, I tended to go to websites for details. Right. What time, you know, it, yeah. are, are the services, you know, where is the building located? Are there campuses? You know, yep. is it a multi I mean, one one church we tried uh, that was a great church? Yep. Wasn't a fit for us, but it was a multi-campus approach where, you know, because we were at a satellite campus, it was watching a video screen, you know, and, and, and like I said, that, that great church just wasn't yeah. for us. We're showing our age now. Uh, probably the older you get, the less enticing the video screen, but uh, some younger people would also wrestle with that. And so honestly, a... it, for us, it wasn't about the video screen because yeah. the truth is when the church we left before we came here, we were in Excuse me. We were in Missouri, yeah. the church we were at. Um, it was a pretty large church, so it had mm-hmm. you know two big video screens up on the side, and then the pastor was down on the front. I watched the screens most of the time anyway. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. You know because it was a big congregation, and so it wasn't really the screens as much it as it was that in order to facilitate that that approach, they had to be hyper regimented. Yeah, you know. At 102, we're going to start this, and then at 304, we're going to do this, and then at five minutes and seven seconds, we're going to do this. I get it. I wasn't, you know, not critique, not criticizing that sure. church, not criticizing that approach. It's a great church. I know people are fed there. The staff and the people there love Jesus. It just was something we were looking for something different. Yeah, and and I think that that's is. It's sort of like in many other areas in our life. I think that the process can begin whether you're single, you're a couple, or if you have a family, now you have to. That's a whole other dynamic. Yeah, you're making yeah. a decision for a family. But one of the things that you f- you first have to begin with is taking a long look in the mirror and going, what is it that we particularly find? Not the doctrine. We'll talk about that in a yep. moment. But just are we looking for a mega church? Mm. Are we looking for a church of 50 people or 200 people? So being able to go, like, where do we feel comfortable? A couple of cautions with that. Number one, I would say, you know, it's much more important how healthy the church is than what the size of the church mm-hmm. is. And sometimes people can be very comfortable in a small church. But if it's, if a church is small and it always stays at that place, you have to start asking the question, am I attending church just because it's comfortable for me or am I attending the church because we want to make an impact in our world for mm-hmm. the kingdom of God? The other thing that I would probably, you know, just put in there as well is that, you know, one of the things that you can tell from a website 
Are there outreach ministries? What are they doing for missions? Mm -hmm. And you can, on a website, get some of those things. So you can get basic um, information, but then you have to go to the process of actually going to the church, which then I would ask you. So when you and Amy, when you go to a church and you go, what are the things that we, for first impressions, what things impact us or what things do we start to look for? (laughs) So, you know, I I tend to think, Sometimes this is a good thing. Sometimes it's not. But I tend to think very business oriented in some areas. And so where that gets reflected in the church, it's professionalism. Or maybe I should say excellence. Yes. I I am not real tolerant of a sloppy approach because there's too much at stake as it relates to the church. So, you know, this is going to sound silly. Are the restrooms clean? Because that shows me if they're paying attention to detail. What's the parking lot experience like? And then, of course, once I walk in the door, it's like, are people friendly? Yep. You know, um, and so, and and it's funny, I've heard this multiple times, so I assume it's true. And that is that most people have made a decision whether to ever come back to a church before the preacher ever gets to the pulpit. Yep. I, I would agree with that. And and I would probably, not, not that I'm disagreeing with you, but I, there's probably a part of me that that I, I would put more of a priority, like the, what we're going through right now is we want to make a, the priority, you know, is is the, the guy that's preaching is, you know, how biblically sound is that? So the details are important. I will say this for pastors that may be watching. This is a really important thing that I try to say to pastors. It, there, there's a certain percentage of people that don't care if the bathrooms are the cleanest, don't care if the parking lot is is clean or well organized. But there is a large percentage of people that those things because they it's it's the excellence of how you treat the church, and it is really important how you deal with those things. Yeah, and I would be the first to say those are not substantive issues. <laughs> you know, you know, obviously there are some things that are way more important. Yep. You know preaching, all the things we're going to talk about in a moment. But I guess for me, I look at those kind of things because, for instance, we talked earlier about taking your children. Yeah. You know, that's going to be a reflection of, you know, because when I take my, if my children, when I would go to church, when our kids were little, you know, because we were missionaries. And a lot of times when we went to a church, we were visiting and I was speaking, (laughs) Yeah, you know, and so one of the things that was always, you know, my number one goal for my kids when they went to church, because they were in a different church, sometimes every Sunday yeah. morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, you know, my number one goal was, are they safe? Yep. I mean, they were in this place for one sesh, one service. The chances of them actually getting fed a whole lot spiritually yeah. in that one thing, pretty low. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure they were safe. And well, there there were some churches when we were missionaries and we went through the same process. We would literally go, "Hey, we're not so." I mean, I would never say it to the pastor, <laughs> but there were times yeah. when we would just keep the kids in the sanctuary with us because we weren't so sure. And and this could really apply to people. I would really encourage, especially if you have a young family and you bring them into go set into children's church at least one service. Mm. And if you ask the people and you got to get the badges and the clearance, but but being able to go and set and make sure, hey, this is a good safe place and these people are sharp and yeah. they have good policies because protecting children 
is of the highest. I, I would say as a pastor, yes, we, you know, we want you to spiritually grow, but my first job was to have a safe place, I'm... safe place for children, safe place for youth, safe place for adults. Yep. Um, and and a, and a place that also would be spiritually safe. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, you know, I of course you and I have known each other for a long time, so I have no, you know, I would have known that was. Yeah. You know, it's your, but sometimes it doesn't seem like it's that. And yeah. so you know, so and then of course you know, so those are all walk in the door kind of issues. Yep. You know, and then for me, I look at the the, the primary purpose for church is a place that centers around God's word. God's presence and God's people. Very good. And so I don't really, I mean, there are worship styles I like more than yeah. other worship styles, um, but I can tolerate almost any style um, as long as it's it's clear that there is a true hunger yeah. for worshiping God. And we've talked about this in a previous podcast, but... It, it wasn't like Jesus said, hey, get the band started before I get up and speak. <laughs> no, never, no place in the New Testament. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so worship is much broader than just music. But worship, as you bring up that topic, worship should always be Christ-centered. So even if it's more contemporary or less contemporary, probably our gray hair shows that we probably, I don't know specifically about you, but... I, I love hymns. Mm-hmm. I love traditional music. And then I also have a great love for contemporary music. And pastoring a church that was more contemporary, you know, I, I felt like that that was important. So the balance was, yes, mm-hmm. uh, I have the things that I like, but I also want to be a part of a church that young people sure. are going to come in and grow. Absolutely, Because I do, I do not want to be in a church with a lot of old people that are just waiting for Jesus to come back. <laughs> you know, like I don't want to be in a church that is making a difference for the world that we live sure, in. Sure, absolutely. And I think you, you know, that's an important thing for me. I'm willing mm-hmm. to tolerate a lot yeah. of stuff. That I mean, I can think of one time in our life where we went to a particular church, and there were two. It, it, the worship style was not really what we enjoyed. Yeah, and um, but we went there for two reasons. One, it was probably the most evangelistic church we'd ever been to. Yeah. Yet it wasn't like an evangelistic center. Yeah. I mean, it was a true church, caring for people, shepherding people, preaching, you know, expositionally through the Word of God regularly. But there was just this incredible evangelistic passion yeah. that, that started with the pastor and w- went throughout the church. And that was yeah. wonderful. And they had an amazing youth program that was Christ-centered, and we wanted our kids. That's awesome. In that. And so, you know, I was willing to tolerate stuff that was not my preference, because of the other. You know, just a little testimony of the church that we started in Jacksonville. So we had a little storefront. And uh, when we when we went into the, the first thing that we did is mm. we, we we got two outreach vehicles. We had old ambulances that we turned in. <laughs> we had to, you know, yeah, you have to be careful legally. You uh, can't really use the ambulance uh, thing. Sure. But the but the uh, but but they work great for doing outreaches and going mm. into neighborhoods, you know, where there's lost people. And so we would do a lot of kids outreaches. But cool. before we owned a building, I had two outreach vehicles, mm. and it was it was just ingrained into the life of the church. We care about people that don't know Jesus, Mm. both here in America, but then also just starting on day one, Mm. we want to reach people that don't know Christ around the world. So we want to be engaged in foreign missions and home missions. 
that's something to me that was really important in the church because right now there's a lot of churches that want to, oh, we want to reach our community. So all the resources go into the community. I'm not against that. But listen, we have a call to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And if I'm attending the church, that that church to me needs to, with every bit of influence, I believe that God blesses churches and grows people when we care about the unreached, the persecuted church, taking the gospel where it doesn't exist mm-hmm. and going to those unreached areas. To me, that is, that is a, like, I don't care how good the preacher is. Mm-hmm. If you're not doing that, to me, that that's not really... A healthy church that I believe I'd want to be a part of. Sure, because it maybe reflects that they're all about them, me and mine. And, yeah, you know. So we probably have a, a different list here, but let's let's just talk about what are the non-negotiables for you. Couple things. One is authenticity, mm. and authenticity begins. It begins with the pastor. Are you getting good communication? I think that a lot of times in churches with pastors and leaders, sometimes we can tell people what we want them to know, but we're not really being authentic with our communication. Mm. So I think leadership that talks about the good and the bad and is upfront with people. Mm. And then. So you're talking about like a pastor who would occasionally bring his own struggles, like talk about this is where I struggle in my life. 100%, as well as when it comes to church business. Oh, okay. Because what we do a little bit in the church is we put, you know, it's like we, everybody likes to put up the good front. But, but authenticity to me is when you're able to talk, hey, here's the struggles that our church is going through. Mm. Here's the battles that we're going through. At the same time, here's the good things that we're going through. So that you're not always... Um, I, I felt when I was younger in ministry, I was always trying to make everything bright and cheery. Mm. And sometimes, you know, if you go to a place and everything's bright and cheery, they, they never talk about the issues, the problems, the difficulties, the hardships. You're really not getting a full picture of what the church should be. Sure. So I, I really like it. It was actually our motto at the church that I pastored mm. was authentic people trusting Christ. So having a deep faith mm. and yet being able to be authentic with our faith. And then when we would preach and teach, we would talk about struggles and battles because I felt like that if people in the church um, felt like that, hey, you know, you're just this guy that lives in the ivory tower mm. and you do everything perfect, that it really wouldn't help them to navigate through the issues in their life. So we would we would talk about our struggles and battles and things that I've been mm. through. And it really helped people to learn how to navigate through their marriage, through their personal life, mm. through witnessing. And it, and what it does is it creates real disciples. Yeah, that, that makes 100 percent. That just so resonates so much with me. I For years, I've talked to young leaders and said, if you share your successes, you build walls. If you share your failures, you build bridges. <laughs> There's a lot of truth in that. You know, because people resonate with your failures and not so much with your successes. Yeah, because everybody can identify with failure. Exactly, we've all failed. Yeah, and and at least a good part of the gospel is going. How do I navigate through my failures? Thank God for the successes and the blessings and the amazing things that He's done. But at the same time, it's the grace of God. Absolutely, you know what I mean. Sure. That helps us. And so being able to get that tension mm. and to be able to walk and be a true Christ follower. That can uh, that can that can be honest with our failures, and at the same time, have a great understanding of the grace and the mercy mm. and the kindness of God. Yeah. If that's the message that's coming from the pulpit, it really will help to build a healthy church. 
hundred percent. All right. So authenticity. Mm-hmm. What's number two? The other thing, and is, these may not be in order. I understand. So. Yeah, this is going to be a. To me, it's it's just a. a everybody right now is about being friendly. So it's nearly like to kill them with kindness. So at this point, there's people in the parking lot with signs. <laughs> You're welcome here. This is home. Yeah. Then you walk in and there's two greeters. And before you walk in the sanctuary, there's two greeters. And when you sit down, there's two greeters. But here, here's here is the question though. You can you can put 20 people in a position to say hello. Mm. But if everything that you're getting is a sign or a smile and a shake your hand, glad to have you, here's the bulletin, yeah. and you don't see that go a little bit deeper, mm. I would ta- I would take a step back and go, is this just everybody has a, an assigned position to be friendly or is the friendliness really coming out of the heart? Because you can tell the – can oh, you tell the difference when uh, you go to a church? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And so I, I look for that and go – Are you a volunteer greeter or are you actually greeting me? Are you actually I, happy, happy I'm, I'm here, here. Yeah. or is this the way that you serve God by shaking a hand of everybody that walks through the door? Yeah, and, and then, you know, actually having a conversation. Yep. Yeah, I that's great. So authenticity, genuine friendship, friendliness. Yep. Um, what would be next on your list? Yeah, and then and then you see the discipleship. I, mm. I am a believer in discipleship. So whether that's small groups— uh, it, and I would look like even at my age, I don't have teenagers or young children anymore. But when I'm going to church, I am looking and going, what what is, what is that children's ministry doing? Mm. What is the youth ministry doing? Because I, to me, I'm putting my resources, my time, my Makes effort. Sure. This is where I'm living my life. Yep. One day I'm going to get to heaven and we're going to give an account. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yep. So I want to be a part of something that is really making a difference and an impact in the world. And that could be a church of 200 people or a church of 5,000 people. Yeah. But really being able to measure that and go, are people's lives really being changed for the gospel or do we have a facade of religion? And and to me, I really want to, I would want to be at a church that is making a difference in people's lives. Yeah, sure. So, so authenticity, friendliness, impact, you know, both locally and globally, what might be next on your list? Here's another thing. And this is a little bit of a, and I have to really quantify this because um, it's it's probably something that is probably a drum that I have beaten uh, a lot. And I always have to quantify and go, I am not against lights. Uh, I am not against flashing lights, uh, smoke machines, as long as they're not trying to go. It's the Shekinah glory of God. We have a smoke machine. Kind of wrestle with that. Uh, so I don't necessarily think that the over, the uh, a lot of the larger, trendier churches mm-hmm. are all about aesthetics. And I don't think that that's bad, but I think there's a caution that should be given to it and going, are you know, if all we have is smoke and mirrors and the party atmosphere, man, I want to go. I want to be listening to that message and going, are you just are you just a guy that can give a lot of whips and quips and, you know, even uh, quotes and get up and and ha- make everybody laugh and have fun? Or are you really making disciples? How you treat the word of God is is that person that's preaching and speaking and the people that do the Bible studies, are they taking from God's word and letting that speak? 
or is it, uh, you know, or is it just speaking into the scripture mm-hmm. and kind of using the scripture as a launching point for what I want to say that day? And I've got ten stories and ten illustrations, sure. different story, different text, same same message. Come on, and yeah. and uh, and I think that there is a famine in the land. Mm-hmm. And it is for the word of God. And yeah. so, listen, what is going to help people in the tough times is not going to be the laugh and the joke. Nothing wrong with it, having a sense of humor. Nothing wrong with the lights. Sure. But if there isn't something that comes deep from the heart of God mm-hmm. that's speaking out of his word, to me, that is probably the number one thing that I'm going I want to make sure that I'm just not in a church that has a great cafe, that great smoke and mirrors. We, we can we can have the party and the festive mentality. But listen, am I getting the richness of God's word preached, the good, the bad, the ugly? Uh, and really, I want to absorb all that the gospel has to give. That's the kind of ministry that I want to set under. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. You kind of covered two things there because you started off talking about the lights and, the, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, I look at that and think, you know, I, where worship is concerned, I love excellence in the musicality, yep. as, but I don't want performance. Yep. You know, uh, if there's a performance, it's a performance for an audience of one. That's what it should be. Yeah, that you know, the band's playing. They're 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 together. You know, they're they're not getting in the way of worship by being off key or yep. you know whatever. But that they truly are worshiping. Yep. You know, and so that's for me. You know, that's important though. You know, we've actually wound up at a church where the worship team or the musicians are not on stage. Yeah. So they're not even seen. I mean, you could look to the side and see them. It's a very different kind of congregation than we've ever been in before. But the whole point is that the front of the church is for two things. It's for the preaching of the word and for the breaking of bread. Wow. It's for the table of the Lord and the word of the Lord. And I'm like. And that, it's a thriving church. I've heard you talk yeah, about never thriving been. and the power of God's word yeah. is there. Yeah. We left a church in Missouri that was an amazing church and honestly thought, I don't know that we'll ever have that experience before again. And Amy and I have just are absolutely, we love where we get to fellowship and be part of the church. And it's because of those three things that we talked about, I talked about earlier, you know, the the presence of God, the word mm-hmm. of God, and the people of God. It is, yeah. Um. So you and I both, for one, we are preachers. Yes. Secondly, more than just preaching, because that can also be attached to style. Yep. You know, we're students of God's word. Mm-hmm. We are heavily committed to orthodoxy. 100%. Yep. And we are committed to the entire canon of scripture that it the whole counsel of God. Right. So we don't pick our topics. We let, you know, God gives us his whole word. And and a good pastor who's shepherding sheep should be preaching the whole counsel of God and not just his hobby horses. Yeah. You know, and so um, for me, preference here. Yes. Um, probably. Um, though I would say it, for me, it's a bit more than preference, I think. Um, it's that 
I am all I, I love expositional preaching. Yes. Because it it forces me as a preacher to deal with things I wouldn't want to deal with. I mean, there are topics in the Word of God I don't want to deal with. <laughs> I mean, well, and there's subjects, unfortunately, that in a lot of places in the church that we kind of cherry pick on the, you know, the feel good messages. And then we're not really dealing with the difficult things. And I would say this, do not pick a church based on, well, they believe just like I do. Uh, Everything that they believe is what I believe. Well, okay. I mean, I'm not saying that there's not some good things to make sure that they're biblical. Right. But man, you should be going to church, not just that agrees with everything that you agree with, but is going to call you to repentance. That's going to help you to change and grow and, and move in different ways than you have in the past. So, right. Yeah, well, absolutely. I was in a church in our church recently and the pastor was preaching and he just was got to a passage where, and it was God's. Jesus indictment against the rich. And and interestingly, he got to a point and he goes, I'm really uncomfortable with this passage. He said, because every person that I know would like to have more money. Yeah. And he said, I don't know everything this passage means, but I do know that it says something to us. And how we spend our money and our view of money is very important to God. And I remember as he unpacked this, and he probably did it in like three minutes, that particular part. And I was like, ouch. You know, and I've always thought of myself as a good steward. I've always thought of myself as, I mean, generosity with God. I mean... Mm -hmm. That's almost a ludicrous statement to talk about generosity with God. Because he's been so, so generous to us. <laughs> I mean, I don't have anything apart from him. Yeah. Uh, you know, and even if I was rich without yeah. eternal life, I got nothing. Yeah. So, you know, but I, I, I want to bless. I want to take the blessings God has given me and I want to turn them back, you know. But he talked about the poor. Yep. And, you know, how I should be engaged in the life of the poor. And, of course, here at World Challenge, we are heavily committed yes, absolutely. to the poor. And, and, you know, I, I tell my team on the missions team all the time, we are not committed to the poor because we're doing missions. We're committed to the poor because we're Christians. Or how about this? Because God is committed to the poor. Yeah. And when you take care of the poor and the broken and the hurting and you minister to people, God will always look after you as a church, you as an individual. Yeah. It, it really is just one-on-one he, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord. Amen. And the Lord always pays back with great interest. So um, anyway, so preaching of the word, really powerful for me. Um, and 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 we talked about worship. For me also, community it is. is incredibly important. You know, I, 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 I love Rick Warren's approach to this. He says, every healthy church should be growing larger, and smaller at the same time. That's it. Growing stronger in outreach, so the numbers are increasing, but the depth of the people who are in the church through small groups generally is also growing deeper. Yeah, and it, and it really is true because some people just naturally go to a large church. You take a saddleback, you know, oh, I'm at a big church, so it's making a difference. Not necessarily. Sometimes you can go to a maybe, large maybe church. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, you can go to a lar- large church that's not really making that individual impact. 
Um, I, and I would make this statement. Sometimes a church can become so large that it loses the discipleship of individuals sure. and mm. just even keeping up with who's walking in the door and out of the door. So there are some churches that like to, to plant churches, not just satellite, but really where there's a pastor and, um, you know, I think that a really great, healthy church is maybe 800 to 1,000 people, and then you start planning out from that. Certainly not doesn't mean that you can't grow beyond that. But maybe if you're a pastor, leader, an individual, you should look at the church and go, are we making disciples? Are we really keeping up with the people that walk in? Or people tend to hide in really big churches. Yeah. And and if, and if you're not really uh, proactive in trying to find those people that are hiding, and it's more than just a, hey, glad you're at church today, but there's a real engagement as right. people are coming in because it is God's call to disciple those people, right? Uh, just like the people who want to show up for all the events. So It's, it's interesting because we're talking about what to look for in a church. But we could almost flip this and say, what should a church look for in an attendee yeah. or a member? You know, and one yeah. of those things is, is they're not there just to consume. Yeah, They're not showing up, treating it like a movie, you know, show up at the right time, sit there through the event, passively partake and then leave and come back next time. Yeah. That's not a healthy approach. That's not what certainly that's not what God meant for his body. Yeah, and you can nearly put it to a timetable, you know, 12 minutes of worship and four minutes of <laughs> sure. announcements and, you know, 17 minutes of preaching. Like, I, like I, I'm, I'm just saying, man, sure. go to a place where the Holy Spirit is moving. Yeah. I understand because I've been at, you know, churches with multiple services, so you have times that you got to get the children out. But there, there has to be moments there that isn't just scripted out, that right. you're letting the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit move. In your congregation. All right. So this is maybe this is a bit of a controversial question here. All right. But both you and I come from a you talk about the power of the Holy Spirit at work. Right. Certain churches define that in a certain way. Yeah. You know, both of us come from a charismatic Pentecostal background. Sure. Uh, theologically, we're still there. Mm-hmm. You know, we believe in all the gifts of the spirit. Um, we've been around long enough to know that they also get abused. 100 percent. And yep. we've seen all of that, too. Um, what guidance would you give to somebody as it relates to looking for a church that, you know, it, I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to frame this in the, the right way. I know what you're looking for. All right. Though. So yeah. you go ahead. You know, I, I just want to, you know, are we, cause there are great churches on both sides. Absolutely. I mean, probably the reason I am, I mean, other than God's work in my life independently, mm-hmm. Probably the person who had the most effect on my life was a brother who was from a very traditional, very fundamentalist Baptist church. Yeah. He modeled Jesus to me in a way that I was like, I cannot argue again. He never, I can't remember one time he ever preached to me, but he lived Christ so evident in front of me mm-hmm. that just being in his presence was a conviction yep. and and yet he was joyful and yep. happy. And, and so he was a very grace filled yep. individual. Yeah. 
Awesome. And so uh, anyway, you get my point. So how do you yeah. walk people through that process? So uh, at the at the church that I pastored, we started a discipleship program for people that just joined the church. We called it Growing Strong in the Faith. Mm. And in that, um, we would take one of the weeks, one of four weeks, and we would talk about spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit. One of the things that I talked about is this. Uh, a gift is a gift. That means you you can't earn it. It's just a gift. That's yeah, given. absolutely. But the fruit of the spirit, which is the love, the joy, mm-hmm. the peace, the gentleness, you right. know, that is actually what grows. Oh, absolutely. So what happens sometimes in churches is that we look at giftings and we try to measure spiritual depth. Mm. I never. I actually was talking to a pastor earlier today for breakfast, and mm. we, we we at breakfast, and we were we were talking about this in his own church. And I was saying, yeah, of course, I love gifts of the Holy Spirit, but that is not the measure of leadership or the depth of the church. If I go to a church, they can have great manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but this is what I look for. I go, do I see? The joy, the peace, the love mm. of God, the genuineness that's flown out of their lives, because that is how you'll know that the Holy Spirit is consistently working through somebody's life. Somebody can get up and preach great. They can get up and sing a song great. Uh, they can uh, operate in a spiritual gift, and it all sounds beautiful, but that is a gift. And the thing that you want to look for is the expression of the love of Mm. God in a genuine way, not contrived, not fake smiles, but a true love for Jesus Mm. that turns into an authentic faith. When you see that, you go, those are the kind of people I want to spend my time with because that is the type of church and the type of people that will make an impact in the world that we live in. Yeah, I, I yes, 100%. You know, I always say an authentic faith, an authentic love for Jesus that turns into an authentic or manifests itself in an yep. authentic love for people, yep. both inside and outside of the kingdom. That's it. You know, and so, um, yeah, I, I love that. You know, interestingly, the most... The church in in the scriptures that is the most, you know where I'm going. <laughs> Rebuked is yeah. the one that well, operates the, the, the most. The, exactly. The, the one that seems to operate the, Corinth, the most yeah. in the gifts of the Spirit, the church in Corinth, is also the most immature church yeah. that we see. You know, and so, and yet in 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 uh, First Corinthians, mm-hmm. Paul takes three chapters, and then rather than going that the gifts aren't important, he tries to set them right in the context of the church, rather than saying, "Oh, they're not really that important. Just love people." The gifts of the Spirit are important, but it's not. It's really not the fundamental part of what the church should be about. It should be the fruit of the Holy Spirit that's expressed because that's the ongoing yeah. work of the Holy Spirit. Well, you've got 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 yeah. that deal exclusively with these gifts. Yes. And then you've got right in the middle of it, 1 Corinthians 13 that deals exclusively with love. That's awesome. Yeah. So if gifts are not manifested in love, they can actually be a weapon. <laughs> I've seen it happen, man. You know, so, you know. You're a Pentecostal preacher's son, right? Maybe. We, we've probably seen it all, haven't yeah. we? So, yeah. I'm not jaded. I'm experienced. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Very good. All right. So we're coming to the end of our time here. Let's wrap it up. Well, we've talked about a lot of good things. What are one or two things that if you saw, you need to run? Um, first of all, I, 
I am not a prosperity mm. preacher. Now, I would say this. I believe that God prospers people. God sure. blesses people. And I thank God for the re- richness of his blessings. I, as you, have been benefactors of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, however, when when I hear words like, if you do this, then God will do, you know, yeah. and it's this constant. Uh, or even God is obliged g- to. Yeah. God, you know, God will give you money and God will do, yeah. you know. And is based on what you do for him. That that is the essence of legalism. Is mm. the essence of the law. Well, if you do, then God will do. There, there is some some truth, uh, certainly in sowing and reaping. But listen, we, we don't live in a law based uh, time of scripture in the church. We live in a time that we go. God has abundantly blessed us, and I am. But because I'm blessed, I give. Because I'm blessed, I, I serve. And when I began to preach that and teach that in the church, it was amazing how many people wanted to serve and give. I mean, the church just flourished because they had the understanding of I'm not constantly trying to get into your pocket for money or trying to get you to do things that you don't really want to do. If if as a pastor or leader, if I can get people to fall in love with Jesus, they will serve, they will give, yeah. they'll walk with God, but it's done in a pure, authentic way. I think that if if you get into a place that you feel like you're being manipulated or constantly uh, being pulled to do this or that, I, I that's the place I would run. Uh, mm-hmm. I would also run if I'm not getting good, honest information from the church. I think as a member, mm. uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. I think it's really important to know that's uh, a good thing. To, those yeah, things. Sure. And if you're not getting that, then you're you know really. I, I think that's the place I would probably run. Yeah, I think both of those are are great. Um, or they're they're sad, but they're. <laughs> it's know, great to know. Right? It's great to know exactly. For me, uh, I would agree with both of those things. Um, I think there's a fine line in in Christ centered, authentic communication between sharing from your life experience and purely sharing your life experience. So, you know, I get I get nervous when me is mentioned too many times. Me and my My kids kids and my my wife wife is a constant. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, I, 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 I want transparency from the minister, but I, I, I'm not drawn. I don't want to be drawn to you. Are you trying to draw me to you or are you trying to draw me to Christ? That's it. You know, so when you share your story, is the, is the real hero of the story Jesus? <laughs> right. You know, not you, you know, or even if you share your failure, yeah. is it so that I am still somehow connected to you or is it that in your failure, God redeemed it and that's who I want to point you to? Absolutely. You know, so, you know, I, I want Christ-centered communication. Yeah, and that can and, be a tough line to walk. It, because, absolutely. Because if you ask if you ask anybody, oh, is Jesus the hero? Everybody will tell you yes. Yeah. But but sometimes in the preaching of the word, if everything becomes – one pastor used to say this. He, would, he, he said, well, I just preach where I'm at in my life. And I, I remember saying to him, well, if you preach where you're at in your life, that's going to be great for you. you. But everybody isn't at the same place. Exactly. So you have to preach when you preach the whole counsel of God. You can you can preach the new believer and the person has been a believer for 40 years. Yeah. But God's word and God's presence 
when you what you said, you're pulling now out of the scripture to bring meaning, and you're not just trying to make points. Yeah, that's the difference that I think is a caution to look for. Right? Yeah, I, is that define it? Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Thanks for joining us today. We look forward for you joining us again next week uh, when we're going to talk about why missions matters to every single person in the body of Christ. We think it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, We look forward to seeing you. In the meantime, if you enjoyed the content, share it with a friend, like it. uh, If you're getting it through social media, share it uh, through YouTube. Leave a comment wherever you can, because by doing that, you help us be able to share this content with more people. God bless.